Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Ray Vestenhouse building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia, it's Phantasmo After Dark, with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, the lost skeleton of Cadavra. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the old podcast. Hey Phyllis. Hey Rob. This is one, I don't know why we haven't talked about it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe because it's a... Newer, sort of speaking, than what we normally talk about. Yeah. But, you know, we usually, in our big production here, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talk, we try to talk about movies that we, you know, we like or we love. And this is one that we really like a lot. Yeah. Bordering on love. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, I think we've known about this since it came out in 2001. Yep. Is when it came out. I remember reading an article about it coming out. I think in Scary Monsters magazine, I was like, I've got to find this movie. So as soon as it came out, you know, ran out and got a copy, and we just fell in love with it. It's amazing. It is amazing. What it was is The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. It's a, it's more than just a spoof. It's kind of a tribute to the, you know, the B sci-fi movies of the 50s and the real low-budget B sci-fi movie, the lower, lower-budget ones of the, of the 50s. Definitely. It is It is definitely a tribute to, it is an homage to. Yeah. When you see movies like this, a lot of times they're making, they're spoofing that stuff. And yeah, this kind of is, of. but it's not so much that they spoofed it, it's they, they made a 50s B movie yeah, today. That's right. Uh, and it's just awesome. Because they love it. Yeah, because, you know, it, you can tell. Yeah. At least I hope that's what's coming across on the screen. Well, if not, they did a good job of faking it because I can, it feels like yeah. they love it to me. And it's got all the cliches from those movies that you you expect or that and people talk about all the time. The the stiff wooden acting. Right. Uh, which was it's all done on purpose in this. Mm-hmm. You know, of course everything in this movie is calculated on purpose. Even the goofs and what you might call uh, you know, continuity errors and things were planned out to right. be that way. Is there actually a blooper reel? Yeah, actually there are bloopers. I mean them flubbing the lines and stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, I believe I that is remember. on the DVD. There's yeah. bloopers. It's been a while since we watched any of the extras for the for this disc, so I couldn't remember. Yeah. But yeah, there's so many things done on purpose in this that would normally go on a blooper reel, so to speak. That oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's like, you know, one of the ones is in the scene where they're in the cabin. Uh, we'll, we'll go over the plot here in, in a minute. But the scene where they're in the cabin, uh, the other scientist, Fleming, is it the character's name? Should we count how many times we say scientist in the show? <laughs> no, we won't do that. <laughs> Incidentally, in this movie, they say si- some form of the word science. Science, scientist, or... Scientifically. Scientific. 30 times they, they say... Uh, Unless we miscounted, but yeah. I think it was 30. So, And it, that's a fun drinking game. Yeah. So yeah, every time they say science or scientist, take a shot. There you go. So when you, when you watch this, there's your drinking game. <laughs> but the scene where they're in the cabinet, he has his jacket on... And then it's off, and then the next time the camera goes to him, it's back on. Or, yeah. or it's like it's on a chair and it's gone, then it's back. It's something like that. I, uh, <laughs> I, didn't, you know, I didn't even notice it this last time we were watching it, because I was kind of taking notes or something at the same time. Yeah. But researching a little bit to have some you know, interesting tidbits here. And there's the other thing I did notice where Anamala all of a sudden, in the last reel, I think, or towards the end, has you know furry gloves on where she didn't have them the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> And there's a few other things like that that, you know, in those movies, 
of the day, right? Stuff like that happens. My favorite is the the chemistry set that keeps showing up. Right. That actually, in the first time you see it, is has the little kids' chemistry box. I think each time you see it, <laughs> do it you does. see it every time? Yeah. The um, <laughs> or at least two times you do. When uh, Doctor Fleming is in the in the cave with the ske- lost skeleton, he's doing his scientific whatever he's doing to bring the skeleton back. He's looking through a microscope, and there's a little test tube rack with four or five test tubes on it, and behind him. Against the wall is a little cardboard box. It's an old kid's like microscope chemistry set box. Later on, Doctor uh, Paul Armstrong, our hero scientist, is looking through the same microscope and the same set of test tubes are on his desk. And I think the box is over in the corner. <laughs> and there's another time you see it again. It's just, it's just like they're using the same props, but they both have them. You know, was he doing science? He was doing science because he's a scientist who does science. science. <laughs> oh, and the dialogue is beautiful. It's all. It's really stiff, and <laughs> but perfect. It's like it's like they're sitting in the cabin. It's like, what's that on the porch? Sounds like somebody interrupting us. Must be interrupters, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's amazing. Okay, so we'll we've gone on and on already for like five minutes. We should probably tell you the basic plot. Well, the basic plot of the lost skeleton of Cadabra doesn't start out with the skeleton. Actually, it does not. It starts out with. Two lovely people yeah. driving down the countryside. Dr. It's Paul very Armstrong scenic. And his wife Betty in a beautiful what is that, a Thunderbird? Or I can't remember what car it is. Beautiful car with fins, fifty style car. And uh they have to pull over so I can look at this map because he apparently he can't look at the map while the car is in motion. Yeah, because she's driving, not him. Yeah. And he he's they're going to this cabin in the woods because he's trying to find where this meteor landed and that he believes contains atmospherium which could be a help to science and, and all things scientific. <laughs> because he's a scientist. Because he's a scientist. And he does science. Yes. And he could do more science with this atmospherium. Yes. And <laughs> so that's what they're going for. There's like three plots going on that converge. If you want to, you know, if yeah. we want to really break it down. Right. There's this other scientist, Dr. Fleming. I can't remember the character's first name. But he's going to look for the lost skeleton of Cadavera. That's what he wants to find. I can't remember what his motivation is at first, but he ends up finding it and then trying to, the skeleton's brain controls him or gets him to bring it back to life to steal the atmospherium because that's the only thing that can bring it back to life. Only his brain is alive. Without the atmospherium, he's just a pile of bones. <laughs> then the third group we have involved in this is the, the a- our aliens. There's aliens. There's aliens. Whose ship, I don't know why, it crash-landed on Earth. They tell you why it crash-landed. That remember. part. They needed that part. Well, yeah. I can't remember not, what the part But was. that broke in the land. Oh, that's right. It did. It did. Yeah. I forgot. Anyway, the ship, which the long shots of are beautiful, because it's obvious it's, it's a toilet paper tube with fins glued to it, painted oh, it's silver. amazing. Oh, it's gorgeous. And, <laughs> and, of course, there's a life-size mock-up of just that bottom half of it for them to walk out of the sliding door that gets stuck a little bit sometimes. Yes. And they're, the mutant they had in the in the rocket has escaped. I don't know how it got past them. But there's just that one door. The one door. And a yeah, big rubber head suit monster costume that's just gorgeous. In all its goofiness, it's perfect for this movie. It is. It's amazing. So that's that's what's going on in the movie. That's the basic plot. Now, yes. And they have to get the atmospherium. The aliens, I'm sorry. They, they need some atmospherium to power their engine so they can take off yes so they're and they also have to find their mutant because oh, they yeah. hope the mutant hasn't killed anyone yeah 
in the meantime. Because it could kill thousands. Yes. So the aliens are trying to find the atmosphere. I mean, they, I don't, they hear that Paul Armstrong and his wife talking about finding the meteorite. Yes. In the woods. So they follow them to the cabin and they disguise themselves as Earth people. <laughs> completely normal. Yes, we're not aliens. We're completely normal. Yes, completely normal. I love the line. What is that? Some some one of your Earth jokes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dialogue is art in this thing. It is. I can't say enough good things about it. I love it. <laughs> anyway, so that's the basic plot, and shenanigans happen with the skeleton coming to life, and the doctor trying. They want to get all the atmospherium, and for some reason, he wants. The skeleton wants the alien, the female alien, to become his bride. <laughs> Everything overlaps. It's amazing. And you get an amazing fight. Oh, and then and then we get Animala. Oh, yeah, Animala. Animala is wonderful. Okay. She, is, she is created from four different forest animals. Yeah. The way this happens is, let me back up a little bit. The <laughs> alien's going after the mutant, and they have their transmutatron yes. gun, which is a beautiful piece of uh, prop compiled from Lowe's. <laughs> uh, it's a cock gun and some tubes and something stuck on the front and painted silver and the piece on the end is black it's just it's amazing and this gun will transmute can transmute animals and other animals so they're going to transmute the mutant into something easier to man- manage right. and get it back on the ship yes well when they go in the cabin they can't take that with them so they leave it out they're going to leave it outside and it's great because so well, we'll hide it. And he just tosses it off camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't go hide it in a bush or anything. Just tosses it off camera. The aliens go in the cabin. Fleming comes up to the cabin and finds it. And he says, ah, it'll be, oh, what does he say? I can't go to the cabin alone. That will cause suspicion. I need a date. Yeah. I watched the aliens work this thing. Maybe I can make a date for myself. <laughs> so he makes animal out of, I don't know how he made it out of four animals because he only shoots it into one into empty space and she forms, you know. <laughs> but uh, and Animala is gorgeous. And so funny. Oh, she's hilarious. Rower. Rower. Yeah. So that's the, that's the movie. And you get an amazing fight between the lost skeleton and the mutant towards the end, uh, <laughs> which is just like a lot of those where the guy's in the mutant costume and he's holding the skeleton. like And just flailing yeah, around. Yeah, and like the skeleton's choking him, but he's holding the skeleton's arms and yeah. flailing around like they're fighting. It's it's great. I love when they're they're traipsing through the woods and, and Animala is just kind of holding the skeleton oh, yeah. her, and her, acting her, like they're walking. Yeah, they're, her hand, <laughs> it's either her or, or Fleming. Fleming. Their hands are below the camera line. Yeah. But you know you can tell as close as the skeleton is, they're, and as stiff as they're walking, they're holding the skeleton like by his spine and holding him in front of him and they're just bouncing him so that, while they're walking. <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, God. This movie. This movie is art. If you're not sold already, come on. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you love those uh, 50s B movies like that, like we do, you have to see this. It's it's just. It's, it's a love letter. It's yeah. so good. It's art is it what really it is. is. It really is. So who's the, uh, who created this and who's in it? Well, Larry uh, Blamire is the guy. I hope I pronounced his last name right. I probably I've heard Blamire. I've heard Blamire. I'm not actually sure yeah. how to pronounce okay, Larry his name. Larry B. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> Larry. <laughs> wrote, I believe, directed and stars in this. He's a funny guy. Yeah, I follow him on Facebook. He posts a lot of funny stuff all the time. But this movie was my first 
exposure exposure to him. to him yeah and he made a sequel to this also which i think we saw a long we time ago it, but i don't yeah. own it yet we need to we need to own this yeah uh we do own dark and stormy night another film that he did which is like a take off on the old dark house movies which is fantastic great yeah we should watch that again yeah, did another one trail of the screwing forehead which is that was w- hilarious too which is which is good too and that one was in color i forgot to mention um this is in black and white yeah. I can't remember if Dark and Stormy Light was in color or black and white. It's been a long time since we've seen that. Mm-hmm. But Lost Skeleton is in black and white. So it's, it's in just color because like... aren't, uh, aren't Courtney's paintings in color? Oh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's another a connection that we kind of have you know, made or have to the movie is the guy that created the mutant costume. Mm-hmm. And, and the other props. And some of the other props. Yeah, uh, Courtney Skinner doesn't live too far from us here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Just a couple hours up the road, really. And we had him and uh, his significant other, Elizabeth Massey, both great people. Yes, she's a, a wonderful author. Yeah, we ha- had them at our event, Monster Fest, that we put on here a couple times. And I hope we can get them again sometime. It's been too yeah, long since we've seen it them. It has been too long. They're, they're uh, good folks. But they're, fan- they're, they're a lot of fun. And Courtney's an amazing artist. Really, really is. Uh, his paintings for Dark and Stormy Night are fantastic. And he, like I said, he did the mutant costume of this and if you get a chance to see him in any convention uh usually he brings the top half of the mutant costume the yeah. head and so you can see that up close and see just how you know great it is in person <laughs> and of course he'll tell you everything how he made you know what each piece is and where you know walking through lows and getting ideas seeing pieces of stuff to use <laughs> it's amazing it really is yeah i i can't recommend this movie enough yeah, they only they shot it in only like ten days, ten and ten and a half days. Right, and the budget was around forty thousand. Wow, which you know that won't cover catering on uh, you yeah, know big budget no movies. Kidding. And here they just boom, they made this great movie that I'll watch over and over again. It's amazing. You know? Most of it they shot in Bronson Canyon, mm-hmm. which they had to because that's where like it conquered the world was filmed. Mm-hmm. Robot Monster, you know. All the big names. Yeah, ha- yeah half a dozen other uh, B-50s movies. And it, the cave, uh, where the Batcave. Oh, right, The right. exit for the Batmobile from yeah. the 60s show to come out, you know, was the big cave there. And they pull out all the bells and whistles, too. The opening uh, animated credits, you know, are really mm-hmm. retro-looking and cool. And it's a, it was filmed in Skeletorama. <laughs> right, so back to the cast. Sorry, I derailed you with Courtney. Oh no! Well, the rest of the cast, there's some faces there you've seen. You know, some of them, some of them have done a lot of stuff. Uh, some of them have done a few things here mm-hmm. and there. You know, some of the faces there, like I said, you've seen in TV. You know, through the the '90s and 2000s, you had a lot of TV, right? Uh, a lot of one-offs. Okay. You know, not a lot of reoccurring parts and stuff, but did a ton of it. I think Faye Masterson, who plays Betty Armstrong, has done a lot of stuff like that. They've and a few of them done some movies too. Mm-hmm. Andrew Parks done a couple, some movie work and you know some mm-hmm. TV. Brian Howe, who plays uh, Doctor Fleming's, done a lot. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. they all. I mean, they're perfectly cast for this because they all do a great job of acting like they're bad actors. Right. You know, which is kind of hard, I would think, if you're trained to be, that's your your job, you know, you to be an to be actor. Good at it, yeah. Yeah, to, to try to step back and act like just a bad actor, you mm-hmm. know, and or a first-time actor. Yeah. Uh, I think in some of the uh, the extras interview stuff, uh, Andrew Park said he, <laughs> his take on it was the guy that's playing his character, 
Mm-hmm. He's playing a guy playing that character, basically. Right. That actor that he's playing is, this is the role of his lifetime. <laughs> this is the role he has been. He felt he was born to play, and he's putting everything he can into it. You know, that's a really interesting way to approach it, because, you know, you have to play a part to play the part, sort of. So I, I kind of get that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and it works. Yeah. Well, it was perfect, yeah. <laughs> Who was Anamala? Did you cover her? Oh, Anamala was uh, Jennifer Blair, mm-hmm. which is Larry B's <laughs> wife, and she's fantastic in this. Yeah, you know, we keep I keep showering this movie with praise and gushing over it, and it's one of those that I remember how much I liked it the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. but watching it again after not having watched it in a few years, every it all comes back to you, yeah, you know, everything exactly you remember, you yeah, and and it just hits you again and. Especially, you know, of course, we both love those, the movies that these are, this is a tribute to. Right. And I go through phases, I guess, where I really have a craving to see some of those B sci fi movies. Yeah. I get Conquer the World, you know, I'll watch, mm-hmm. I had that, that's actually, I really like that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of those where I'll go, I'll binge watch over a couple of weeks, I'll watch all the ones that we have, mm-hmm. then I'll be okay for a while. Right. <laughs> then I'll, I'll get like, uh, I got to see me some Teenage Frankenstein. I got to see it. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> so seeing this movie and there's other people out there that get it and love it too. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we really enjoy, well, obviously, because we're doing this podcast so that we can share our love of these things with, with you guys. But we love to share these these movies with people and watch them watch it for the first time. So it was oh, always yeah. fun. To get our friends to watch this movie for the first time was a joy. And then we actually showed it at Phantasmo. Yeah. Um, it, or no, we showed it the Night of Monster Fest, didn't we? I think we did because we had Courtney. Courtney was there. We had Courtney there to right. talk about so it. Right, yeah. so that was so much fun to watch everybody's expression and see them enjoying the movie yeah. for the first and time. and getting it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes, it was wonderful. Yeah, this is one that I'll show anybody. Yeah. If they ha- especially they haven't heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, whoa, you have to see this. <laughs> <Yeah>, stop, <laughs> we got to watch this. As far as I know, it's still available. Let me consult the Oracle here, because I would hate to tell people to go out and watch it, and then they're not able to get it. Uh, <laughs> you can get off Amazon. It is off on Amazon, and depending on where you get it, off of Amazon, various prices. But it is available on DVD. I don't think it, they put it out on Blu-ray, but and Lost Skeleton Returns again is on DVD, and so is Dark and Stormy Night. So you can get the whole collection, and I would recommend it. Highly worth it. Now, Lost Skeleton has a, I was going to say a skeleton cast, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> ha- has a, a relatively small cast of the people we talked about already. There's one or two other characters. There's Ranger Brad, and there's a farmer that they stop and ask directions on the side of the road who just happened to be standing there. You get into the other movies, like uh, Dark and Stormy Night and Trail of Screaming Beforehand. They add characters and other actors, and... Yeah, there might be a couple familiar faces in some of those that you've seen in other stuff that show up. Oh, one of the cool things I forgot to mention, too. I think on the DVD, I believe that's where I saw it, and some of the extras, they did mock-ups for Lost Skeleton merchandise, like the movie came out in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Like a Lost Skeleton lunchbox and some other stuff, you know, that, that was never available. <laughs> that you wish was, though. <laughs> yeah, it's worth, I mean, the DVD is well worth it because you have the mock-ups of the merchandise you got a blooper reel you got the little interview featurette and also there's a Q&A session from some premiere I think they did somewhere with some of the cast there 
So that's a nice little extra that's on there. Get a little more insight into the making of it. Speaking of the making of it, it was actually shot in color. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Yeah. It was shot in color on digital video. And then in post, they converted it to so it looks like black and white film. Hmm. And it looks great. I mean, it does. It looks like film. And Now, everybody that likes these movies has a favorite. Or if you can't narrow it down to one, it has a couple. What are a couple of ones that you really like a lot? God, I don't know. I like a bunch of them. <laughs> um, well, I know we both love Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Yeah. Which is, it's not so much a step above that, but that's Harryhausen, so. Tis true, tis true. Yeah. I mean, you did. You liked it Conquer the World the first time you watched that, didn't well, you? Well, I was trying to think of if I liked which one would be a favorite. I loved it Conquered the World. I <laughs> yeah. loved Earth versus Flying Saucers, like you already said. Yeah. There's some, a couple of them we need to go back and watch there again. Was, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, just trying to think I of... I Married um, a Monster from Outer Space. Yes. I'm spacing on names right now. <laughs> I'm remembering things yeah, and you not... need to watch She-Creature. You haven't seen that one yet. It's okay. got a great costume in it. Yeah. Yeah. I great do. rubber suit monster. And it's an interesting movie. It's a little different. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that after we watch it. Sure. We can do that. that one's kind of a little different from the I think the we've talked about that one for a while yeah. anyway. Oh, hell, let's just watch them all again. <laughs> I loved, oh, I was sitting here thinking there's got to be one that I've, I've that stood out to me <laughs> that I need to talk about. Monolith Monsters. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites. That's definitely one of my favorites. Yes. And, and we did uh, a podcast on that. that we did. Ago. We did. I don't know why I like that one so much. I mean, it, it's a great film. It's just, yeah. it seems so if bizarre. If you want to know why we like that one so much, listen to the podcast <laughs> Go episode. back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Um, but and it, then, it's one of those, it's odd because you wouldn't think it would be as creepy as it is. Well, right. You know, it's, and it's, it's that, like that, a non-conscious monster. I, it's, it's a just, it's a force of nature you can't reason with. Yeah, I guess that's why it's so scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, so yeah, monolith monsters. And the one, I cannot remember the name of it right now. The one that we watched where they go out to, um, there was a, a nuclear explosion uh-huh. and the family goes out to this Oh, park. Panic in the Year Zero. Panic in the Year Zero. I love yeah. that too. That was awesome. That was a step above. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely. Really yeah. Raymond Lamb will play in it. Yeah. The World of Flesh <laughs> and the Devil. Does that count as one of those? Kind uh, of? Uh, that's a little different. Kind of, sort of. I, mean, I yeah. guess it, it's from that era. Yeah. 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 But it's not a rubber suit monster. Well, no, it's not a rubber suit monster. You're right. Well, I mean, neither is Panic in the Year Zero. No, that's what I say. That was a little step above, I think, because that's a little, it gets pretty intense. I thought you were just covering, you know, 50s sci-fi. Oh, yeah, but I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm micro-categorizing like, you that's know, okay. everybody's You're doing allowed. these days. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. Yeah. I mean, I can go on and on. Yeah. Anyhow, well, so what's yeah. one of your favorites? All of the above. All of the above. Yeah, every uh, the ones you said are some of my favorites. I mean, yeah, then and I like the teenage monster movies too. Oh right, you know true. from that era. I love Teenage Frankenstein and Teenage Werewolf and Blood of Dracula and those. Yeah, those are a lot of fun for a number of different reasons. There's some other ones in there. I like uh, the Werewolf. Okay, Sam Katzman movie, The Werewolf. Yeah, that one's a different kind of werewolf movie, but it's kind of the same. Uh, <laughs> it's it's more like Teenage Werewolf than yeah. other werewolf movies are, where it's a science based instead yeah. of a supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one's kind of fun. Oh God, I watch any of them though. I mean, you know, yeah. Like I, said, I mean, she even the ones that one and uh, even the ones that that 
totally suck i would watch yeah the, uh, i love that, that one the day style. the world ended is another one yeah I think we watched that together yeah we did that we was did. pretty good too that was good i love that entire era of of sci-fi films they're just fun to yeah me. yeah i'll tell you one that that i didn't care for as much as i'd hoped i would yeah uh invasion of the saucer men oh that's one i for ever in a day i'd seen pictures of yeah and i finally got to watch it just a couple years ago right and it really wasn't was not all you hoped no, it would be. No, you know, and not, even on the, that level I was expecting it to be, mm-hmm. it just wasn't yeah. that great, you know. But great character designs. The Saucer yeah. Men look fantastic. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. Paul Blaisdell stuff, who did almost all those movies. Right. The creature suits and all that. Just great stuff. And speaking of Paul, the Paul Blaisdell creatures and Saucer Men, I think Bob Burns helped Paul Blaisdell on Saucer Men. Oh, I think it was that one or a couple of them. Anyway, Bob Burns shows up in Dark and Stormy Night. Oh, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that cool? Yeah. Everybody's yeah, we, connected one way or another. I know, right? We really do need to go back and watch that. Didn't you tell me that um, I'm spacing on his name now? Um, My guy from Supernatural that played Bobby Singer. Oh, yeah. Jim uh, Jim Beavers. Yes, yes. Or Jim Beaver, Beavers. Yeah. He's in Dark and He's Stormy in Dark Night. and Stormy yeah. Night. Yeah. So any and Supernatural fans Dan Robot shows up in that, too. Yep, and Dan yeah. Robot. Big monster kid there. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, go out and watch some of these things. Yeah, as always, I'll say it on every, every podcast we do, but <laughs> I really mean it on this one. <laughs> uh, find this movie and watch it if you've never seen it. It's a joy. It's a lot of fun. If you're not into these movies and haven't seen a lot of them, I don't, you probably won't enjoy it as much because it is such a love letter to that type of stuff, you know? Yeah. Just in the same way that like Black Dynamite was a kind of making a black exploitation movie using all the cliches instead of like I'm gonna get you sucker which was a spoof of them right and that's what this is this is a they made a 50s B movie and the only thing they don't happen is you don't see the mic come into shot I don't think at any point <laughs> no but you can see some wires yeah oh yeah you see the wires <laughs> working the skeleton and and you can tell what the props are made out of the inside of the spaceship yeah is just they put like a silver tarp over a bench and then painted some pegboard silver and stuck little dials and monitor pieces onto the pegboard and that's the spaceship (laughs) and the glasses they're drinking out of are like you know weird art deco candle holders (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing it's great it's awesome all right well we can gush about this and talk about every scene but you know i think we got the point across yeah, I mean, you know, we can sit down and run down the plot the whole way through. We've almost done that on some of the podcasts, but you know, that can be kind of boring, I think. And when you just watch it, like I said earlier, made in two thousand one, and they made a fifties B movie, and it's it's, I can't say enough good things about it. It's so much fun, indeed. Well, this one is not a cast full of of stars who have done tons and tons of work, but. I am betting that you can still <laughs> relate it somehow back to Planet of the Apes. We play this game at the end of every podcast where Phyllis will pick somebody out of the cast or something about the movie, and I have to connect it back to Planet of the Apes. Because we discovered many years ago, Clayton and I, a friend of mine, that the world does revolve around Planet of the Apes, the original Planet of the Apes movies. You can connect anything back to them. And we discovered this uh, long before the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game came around. So, so let's go. Rob. Yes, how does Brian Howe <laughs> relate back to Planet of the Apes? <laughs> okay. 
I could give you, uh, well, let's see, Brian Howe. I got two ways. I've got two avenues to go. Okay, pick one. Brian Howe was on an episode of Boston Legal. Okay. William Shatner to Star Trek. Yep. To Mark Leonard. Yep. To Planet Apes. Well, that's super easy. <laughs> is there a different way? There's another one. That, let's see. This might be a little bit longer, but no, this isn't any longer. Brian Howe also did an episode of NCIS to David McCallum to The Greatest Story Ever Told. And Charlton Heston is in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was very simple. <laughs> so there you go. The world falls around Planet Apes. Proof. Well, I should have found somebody harder. I did find out doing a little research on this. I can connect the entire cast of this movie to Planet Apes. Anybody in the cast. That's too easy. Because they were all in Dark and Stormy Night. Oh, and all of them were in the cast with... H.M. Winant, who's oh. in Dark and Stormy Night. Uh-huh. The character actor's been in everything. Yeah. He was in Conquest of the Planet Apes. Oh, well... <laughs> so I could have just done Brian out of H.M. Winant to Planet the Apes. <laughs> That's no fun. I figured you were going to say that, you know, like Dan Roebuck was in that and Dan oh, Roebuck well. was in... Um, He's a big fan of Planet Apes. and <laughs> Yeah. Well, then I was going to say, well, no, Dan Roebuck was in The Fugitive. Yeah. So that gets you to Harrison Ford, and then you can get to Star Wars, and I figured by then oh, you can go oh, to yeah, anybody, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, I suck at this game. I can't do that kind of stuff. So <laughs> if I can get to a big name movie, then maybe I can find somebody. What, but... was, it? what was it, the last one we did, uh, JD's Revenge? That was a long one to get to tapes, but we did. But yeah, I did. But you did you it. Know? Well, that's because you're good at it. I'm well, I, uh, that's why I, I give blank. you names and not the other way around. <laughs> I do love me some Planet of the Apes. Yes, you do. Anyhow. With that being said, I think that's about all. It's a little short one this time, but uh, about a really great movie. Yes, and a indeed. lot of fun. So. Yep. So go watch it. I think so. That's the about lost, all I've got. Yep. Lost Skeleton Cadavera. Done. Done. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.